Hi guys and gals and other identifying titles. How are you? Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm him. I'm Nick. You're listening to me. I'm an old man with a young bod. (laughs) I didn't mean to make such a silly intro. Today is actually somewhat of a serious episode. Not so much an episode, but a serious, uh, an interview with serious context, sadly. Or sad context, because we do have fun in the interview. But um, thank you for listening. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm the host. I'm Nick. Um, Today, I have finally, and it wasn't a question of the intricacy of the interview itself, but today I've finally put out... Uh, and we'll present to you the Nick Nemiroff interview. I interviewed Nick Nemiroff, the late Nick Nemiroff, in 2020, like right at the end of 2021. And I kept on delaying putting it out, and then suddenly, at the end of June in 2022, he, uh, he passed away. And it sucks, obviously. And I touched on it in a lot of past episodes. If you don't know Nick, uh, he was a hilarious comedian. Um, someone whose future was very bright, uh, seemingly, and uh, the brother of my longtime friend, uh, Davida Nemiroff, so I'd known Nick for a really long time. In fact, I think I met him when he was in high school. And uh, because he did comedy so much, he was really out all the time. Uh, because he did did comedy so much, and because he was good at it, um, he was, as they called, a mainstay for people. So I think, and it was a charming, quiet-ish guy. Wasn't really quiet, but he kind of was. It's hard to explain. But, um, you know, his loss uh, really impacted people. And... Uh, his album called The Pursuit of Comedy Has Ruined My Life. And basically, I'm timing this interview with the the vinyl re-release of the album. Uh, Davida, his sister, and the rest of his family took it upon themselves to put the album out on vinyl with a booklet. So um, you can get the link. It's in the episode description here. And I'll, I'll read it out aloud as well, just in case you don't go to episode descriptions. If you go to echobase.com, hang on. Slash product, slash Nick, dash Nimroff. You got all that? That is, ec- that is, um, echobase.com slash product slash Nick dash Nemiroff. Go to that website and you can pick up a copy of the uh, newly released LP. There's a limited print of 300. Um, get it shipped to you. And uh, it's, a, it's a hilarious album. People are posting about that album still. Some of whom don't even know uh, the the sad things that happened 
He had a joke about Matisse Yahoo and posted it on TikTok. TikTok Matisse Yahoo, the orthodox um, reggae star, the orthodox Jewish reggae star. And he posted it on his TikTok. He didn't post a lot of things to his TikTok. And Matisse Yahoo himself wrote, Let's get lunch in New York. Sadly, it's not to be. Um, miss Nick a lot. And I listened to this record. And uh, I didn't listen to the record. I listened to the podcast. Excuse me. And I listened to this interview. And at in its full length, in its full entirety. And there was lots of issues with it. There were sound problems. and So this one's, there may still be some sound problems in the interview. But I want to thank Joe Agredano because he really did his best making it work. Um, so occasionally my voice specifically might sound bad. But it's great. Nick, Nick's voice sounds crystal, crystal fresh. And... Um, I just sat down on the couch listening to it, and um, I don't know, it cheered me up, because it was just such a light, nice, laugh-filled conversation, and uh, he was patient and didn't seem to want to leave, and it was really a uh, cute time, and, and it, it, does, it did bring me back to the idea that I was uh, going to see a lot more of Nick. Even than I had before, and um, that obviously didn't work out the way I thought it would. But he is really missed, and I hope if uh, you hear this interview, you just enjoy hearing his voice again, and um, you know it, it. It it kind of brings him back a little for you, or if you didn't know him, if that it helps you get to know him a bit. So. Here you go. Here's my interview with Nick Nemiroff. Nick Nemiroff, singer of Magnetic Fields, coming Hi. to you live. Hi, Nick. Um, Hi. You know what's crazy is we're recording this so shabbily because I couldn't figure out how to get on my nice setup how to record two microphones, even though I've done it before, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, I couldn't remember. It's been a while since I've had someone in my home recording with me. You're the first person. Wow, that is a, an honor, and I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me in your home. So I'm recording on a voice memo app with my talking. <laughs> right. And you're recording into a, uh Audio-Technica microphone. Exactly. Pretty high-end. Yeah, not, not, too, sh not too shabby. End, but pretty high-end. It's not bad. I'm I'm pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. And it's got a, one of those mouth condoms on it. That <laughs> it you get when does. you do comedy shows now. That's true. And sometimes. They, and they absolutely, I'm sure, prevent a lot of COVID. <laughs> yeah, and the good news is that's a used one. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um you also mm -hmm. have the um honor of having one of the most listened to episodes of my show. I don't know why. And if fans are gonna be downloading this one you know what i mean yeah the fans well i don't know if i have that many downloads i don't really know what it means i've <laughs> listened okay 
downloads, it'll be like you have one. <laughs> Part of that is because a lot of my files are like a gigabyte somehow because oh I God. upload super high quality. It's the Audio Technica of it all. You know, all. I could use a producer is what I'm really trying to say. I feel I like... I mean, as we sit here and you are talking into your phone, I might I, have to yeah, agree. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's just not fair that I am alone in this world, that my family and partner are not producers of producing my podcast yeah. uh it's not fair that you know this video game addiction has put my entire life and career in peril <laughs> uh, no that's not true i don't play that many video games that's a misconception about me <laughs> as i look at about 300 video games stacked <laughs> what are, how many of these have i played that's the question well yeah fair how you many know, would you so, say uncharted you know i just kind of have those for display <laughs> that's fair that's a really hard one to get so <laughs> it's a smart yeah. one to that's have on display video games right now it's like there are a few games that have gone up in value that i that are very popular like i found a nintendo 64 ocarina of time in the box Whoa. yesterday that i have and you know that's worth probably a couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. and uh it was an incredibly high selling game, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's like, so if you wanted and Mario 64 went sold for, you know, some stupid amount mm-hmm. in some, you know, probably fixed auction of some type. Allegedly. Wow. There's some, uh, game or gaming the system going on in the <laughs> video game auctions. That's right. That's right. Damn. Gaming the system. I like that. Now, for those who haven't heard next comedy, uh, <laughs> And I am going to occasionally defer to the invisible people listening <laughs> as I talk to Nick and face away from him. And we've been making more eye contact during this podcast than we have ever made in our lives. And we also have sort of lived together. Did we live together or was it just that because your sister's house in Los Angeles had an extra room that we took turns being there? I think there was definitely overlap, yes. I didn't officially move the there until after. And I was upstairs. Yes, and I think vice versa and as vice well, versa, probably. Yeah. Um, it was a rotating Nick house, for sure. Yeah. And I actually still need to have DeVita on the podcast to tell that whole story. <laughs> do you remember anything we talked about last time? Cause last time on the podcast? Yeah. No, <laughs> I do not. Yeah. I don't remember, you know, what we talked about when we went out. Three nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what we talked about then. We talked about how neither of us have seen the Dave Chappelle special, so we cannot comment on it. Correct. And uh, we talked about... uh, (laughs) That was it. (laughs) I think we might have done a little bit of gossip. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Not really. Gossip girl. Uh, Got up to speed on what's been going on with each other's lives. Mm -hmm. Mine was much faster than yours. (laughs) <laughs> globe-trotting bastard. Well, I think I just talk slow as well. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I might have rushed it. And <laughs> you may have just been able to, over the course of the hour and a half we hung out, tell me two things. <laughs> that's right. Which is maybe why it's a very listened-to podcast. Your earlier <laughs> People episode. maybe listen to it as they're falling asleep. <laughs> but they're just like, I only want to take in two facts Fair. Yeah. from one of the people. Because there's so much overstimulation now. It's actually kind of... Unique to be understimulated. Are you a stimuli guy? Yes. So are you the kind of person... I feel like you were someone who was walking around the house with headphones on or earphones on at DeVita's house. Which I would sometimes do, admittedly. 
Uh, well, maybe that's also because there was Howard Stern blasting from your phone <laughs> in the kitchen there. Uh, I think... I'll cop to that. <laughs> no, it was great. I'll cop that. to Howard Stern. <laughs> um, but I probably walked around maybe with headphones in. I don't remember. I was definitely always like, especially if I live alone or something like that, I kind of always have a podcast or music or something sort of playing. So what did a Nick Nemiroff listen to today? Today I listened to, uh, I'm embarrassed to say, but a Bill Simmons podcast because him and Cousin Sal, who you may know as Jimmy Kimmel's Cousin Sal. Sure, yeah, I've heard about his presence in yeah. sports commentary. Sports commentary, specifically sports betting commentary. Right. And so they do a weekly you know, NFL roundup of all the games on Sunday. And it usually comes out Monday morning in the now, East Nick, Coast. You know comedians have a bad history with gambling. That's Are true. Are you going to go down that road? Well, I've do already, you gamble? I do now. Who I'm into sports gambling. Other comedians? <laughs> no, I gamble on an app. Okay, well, I don't think the mob is going to directly come after you that way. I don't think I. Yeah, I don't think I have the confidence to gamble with people. You know. What about crypto? Crypto, know nothing about it. Let's go in on the crypto. All right. The Nick, the Nick crypto trifecta. I'm investing Double in. Trifecta. <laughs> yes. Do a do Do a Lipa. Do a Lipa. I'm investing like in her crypto. Do uh, you like? Her? <laughs> um, I don't think I know. Sometimes I hear a song and I thought, you know, I'd never knew the artist before and I'd heard it a million times. And it usually is a Dua Lipa song. Yeah, New Rules. That's a good one. Is that a song by? Yeah. yeah. I bet I'd know it, but I With don't the, know the name of it. Named after the Bill Maher segment. Maher <laughs> segment. Um, but. So when did you get into online sports betting? Probably around January of last year. Now, because what, what, yeah, why? NHL restarted around then, uh-huh. and it was the pandemic. Couldn't go outside. It was all cold outside. I needed some sort of thrill because I was used to doing comedy every night. Where before. were you living at the time? In Toronto on Hallam Street. And you were living in the U.S. Yes, until for one 2020? year. Uh, yeah, March 2020. That's an interesting month. I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you kind of moved to L.A. right after I left, somewhat. Yeah, it would have been... Several months after I left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe six months or something. I moved in March 2019, actually. So oh, that okay. Helps well, then, yeah, it would have been a year after I left, almost. Mm. But uh, you were definitely there a lot when I was living there, though. Yeah, I would go down at least once a year because uh, yeah. just to get my dip my toe in the LA played famous the LA hip, scene. Played all the hip spots. Mm-hmm. I'd meet a comedian. They'd go, "Do you know Nick Nemiroff?" I'd go, "Do I know Nick Nemiroff?" He was yes. on my freaking podcast. He's been on my. <laughs> he will be on my podcast. You hadn't been on the podcast yet. Fair, fair. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, so it it was. A good year in LA. You liked it. It was. It was a hard year, but Why? it was uh, same reasons everyone just, says. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Moving to a new city, right. you know, leaving all my friends and a relationship behind, and living, uh, and just doing comedy and having to start from the bottom there, and all that kind of stuff. That's one of the most interesting things that you go there, and everyone's like, "Ooh," and then you come back, and you're like. Well, I can still kind of do the shows that I did, just 
once every eight months once, <laughs> once a year yeah yeah or once every life yeah. <laughs> i mean when they say it's a once in a lifetime opportunity <laughs> they mean on all the hot shows in la <laughs> and that's really a bummer that not a bummer but it, it's kind of it was was it a mental strain to come back after a year and be like i left a relationship for a one-year thing <laughs> uh i mean it's hard in that context just because it was the pandemic is why i, I came back right and so, so it wasn't really time to woo somebody back or even examine whether you were like boy i'd like to move on from this topic of conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i just it was it took a year basically for things to sort of get going again in la like for to feel like I was in like a good spot and like knew where I wanted to be and yeah. go to the right, you know, hang out um, with Who the you people to see exactly. Yeah, what shows I like going to, what mics I like going to, mm-hmm. and then when that year came up was also you know the pandemic sort of really exploded, and then I went home and yeah yeah and your visa was was you were on the same type of visa as me yeah so now it's expired so i need to get another one of those me too and it was and i was like maybe i'll get a visa back and then the pandemic happened i was like what's the point Mm -hmm. we don't know if trump's gonna win again and i don't fully know what that means but i know that means it'll be really annoying (laughs) (laughs) to live there yeah and yeah and so it just became a much lower priority in the short term for you yeah i think i you know was so happy to have uh a house to go back to in canada and yeah because you went back to your your parents parents. place in montreal right yeah exactly and that's in the neighborhood of westmount is that it Uh, it's called it's called montreal west montreal west as they say (laughs) o-u-e-s-t the french spelling of west and you grew up in this area. That's where I grew up. And did you ever get in scraps? <laughs> What's the neighborhood like? No, I it's, it's you know pretty chill, nice neighborhood. Jewish neighborhood? No, but like right next to a very Jewish neighborhood called Cote Saint Luke. Right. Um, but I don't know, ten percent Jewish. Jewish household. Maybe? Yeah, my household was Jewish, good, I guess. Good, very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> the rest I can't speak for. Um, so you were back where it all began. Exactly. From conception to birth, <laughs> to B'nai B'rith, to Briss. Well, yes, if my to, siblings are to, believe, to be believed, I don't know if that was where conception happened. but <laughs> Where did they say it happened? I think there was some sort of uh, disgusting memory that they have of like on a ski trip. And That's something. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. God. <laughs> I feel bad for them. Well, now you feel bad for yourself because you know it. Well, I don't know it. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to hear it or, you oh, know, God. however they, you know, however Is they that found how out. it works? Birth has to come from enjoyable sex. <laughs> I don't think that's the way. I mean, I never even said that they enjoyed it. But. Well, sounds. I don't even know what the sounds were. Well, you know? if there's sounds, it's not <laughs> the worst, unless you're calling the cops or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so you're there. You're back. I'm, you're glad to be home. Yeah. Does the euphoria last long? Uh, I think it lasted 
longer than I thought it would because I was like so just you know scared at the beginning of the pandemic and then just like sort of being back in a very familiar safe feeling place uh and just like you know not knowing what was going to happen but knowing that I was like secure was like very helpful at that time yeah and when you were freaked out in LA what was the level of that it honestly was not very freaked out, and then the NBA canceled their season. Well, yeah, the that NHL, was like, like the that official day, day of exactly. the pandemic, kind of. And I did a show real. at UCB that night, and then the show after ours uh-huh. was like a nine thirty one, and that one got canceled because of the pandemic. So it's interesting what, because that would have been twelve thirty Eastern time. That is interesting because I did a show that was at nine thirty <gasps> Eastern time. Whoa. That same night, and it was Laugh Sabbath at Comedy Bar. And that was the last show? Yeah. Damn. And I think I hugged some friends there. Mm-hmm. As then, you do. Then we didn't see each other through the whole pandemic. Yeah. So, they're, I guess they're my friends, but, <laughs> you know, it seems... You gotta reconcile it on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is, I did. The people I hugged, I, I think I mostly saw. A little bit of once a year. Suddenly, everyone hanging out was like getting a show in L.A. One time a year. <laughs> right. In a park. Hey, there you go. <laughs> oh, God. That's like the least thing, the last thing I want to hear after a joke. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I understand. Sorry. You're trying to show that you're listening. Yeah. And <laughs> I laughed uh, a little bit. Yeah. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Uh, I think... It, when you re-listen to this, you'll like the joke better. Yeah, Because your that's understanding true. it was actually a two-parter. There in you a go. park. Yes. Once a year, you get to play the park show. Yes. No, I got... Right. I got it at the time, but when I listen to it, I will get you'll it like twice. It <laughs> yeah. And I will re-listen to this for sure. <laughs> I hope so. I think this is, one of, this is where comedians really fail. They don't do a hard re-listen to the <laughs> podcast appearances. I would say I never have in my entire life. <laughs> So when things got real, yeah, Thursday, March, whatever it was, mm-hmm. Thursday night, you got really freaked out. I bought a ticket to go back to Montreal the next day. Here's a little fact about Nick. You're wearing a shirt that says Nike. I'm wearing a hat that says Nike. It's a hat that says Nike. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. And when a hat says something, it's like kind of like a shirt. You know what I mean? You know how shirts display... That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> comedy speaks truth to other comedy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, did you go to those parties? You know how like someone would have like a birthday party, but like you uh, wouldn't have to know them and you could just go. Sometimes, yeah. I'd be like, oh, it's you know, Gordon J- Joseph's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Let's all go. It's at the bowling alley. Yeah, a lot of bowling alley birthdays. And you go and in like Highland you, Park. You meet someone and then you're like, hey, and then they give you a lift home and then you don't see them ever again in your life. <laughs> right. You know. Sometimes that's happened, yeah. Um, did you perform at the famous world famous clubs? Comedy um, store, improv, laugh factory, ice I, house. Those are the ones I'm thinking of. I will not bring up flappers. Respect to flappers oh. doesn't isn't part of the ones I'm the, the, the circuit I'm talking about. That's fair. Uh, do you follow Brendan Cooney on uh, Twitter? Improv. 
the improv. Um, Brandon Kooning, is that one of those murderers? That sounds like one of those guys who, you know, puts out a classified ad and then boom. <laughs> no, no, dead no. Body. Okay, if Brandon ever hears us, that's not true. Okay. No, he's very, very funny. And he also always talks about flappers on Twitter. He is a, in a very, very hilarious way. But I would recommend the follow. Here's what's going to happen I'm going to follow him. Yeah. He's not going to follow me back. He's <laughs> filled with resentment. And then well, I'm going to unfollow him. Well, sometimes that's just what has to happen. Or, alternate reality, I'm going to follow him. Yeah. You'll send him a DM saying, hey, a really funny, <laughs> nice guy, peer of mine, just, <laughs> I mean, just followed you on Twitter. It does you sound like me. You might want to throw him a follow. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he'll tweet something I just absolutely can't understand. <laughs> but other times I do. Most of the time I understand. I know you, you get the jokes. So yeah. Do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Brandon Kooning is always making fun of Flappers. Yeah. Flappers is such a funny name. I mean, it's been talked about a lot on podcasts. I like comedy podcasts, but it's just, yeah. it, it's like naming your comedy club after this ancient name for a certain type of dancer in the 20s. <laughs> it's just very, very Los Angeles. It's my favorite thing about Los Angeles is this sort of weird devotion to like old timey show business. You're right. Yeah. You know, only there would you have an entire, you'd have a place that is like kind of not a castle called the Magic Castle. Right. Where, I mean, before you moved to Los Angeles, did you know there were different types of magic? Uh, or were you a magician? I wouldn't put that past you. I can't say I knew all the different types of magic, no. And I was never a professional magician. Professional yeah. Looks like you're giving yourself a bit of an out there. So you did little <laughs> magic on the side. I think at some point in my life, I probably did a card trick. Yeah. I feel like the bar mitzvah very often is like a, a young Jewish guy's and his friend's first introduction to like a magician. Whoa. I don't know if that was my first introduction. I think that was maybe actually around where my love for magic fell off. Maybe because I became concerned with it not looking cool anymore, you know? Right. From magic to sex. <laughs> exactly. You become a man. Blood, sugar, sex, <laughs> magic. Should be reversed. Yeah, that's in uh, descending order. <laughs> Blood, number one. Sugar, number two. Yeah. Sex, number one. <laughs> yeah. Magic, number two. Sugar, oh. number three. <laughs> Blood? Who wants that? Number four. Hard four. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's my view. But we can have different opinions. You know, that's what this show is all about. Guys with different opinions discussing ideas. <laughs> that is a great idea for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> going to be my patron only podcast. <laughs> Guys with great different opinions. Anyway, I don't need to repeat it. And, like, I remember being in a cab once and a woman dressed like a flapper mm -hmm. showed up in the cab. Halloween? Very perfumed. Not Halloween. Okay. She was going to the Magic Castle with her friends. Gotcha. And she talked to me about gaming. Whoa. And she invited me to her burlesque show. But <laughs> I didn't go to that. Okay. <laughs> but you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, did you network with people? People give you cards and shit. Constantly, I was networking. That yeah. was my favorite part about LA. <laughs> so you go to meetings, and then people would say, "Can you do this?" And then you never followed up. 
on something. <laughs> I'm sure I did that. I'm sure I'll <laughs> keep doing. I'm sure I'll time. keep doing that. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, we're trying to reboot." Uh, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, Doctor Doctor Who, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to reboot Doctor Who. You want to give it a go? <laughs> that's a bad example. I think that's too high profile a franchise. But there was something I went to that was like owned by Warner, so they were just like, "We have the rights to you remember that uh, to all the Atari games. Hey, so there if you, you want to do something involving Yar's Revenge or Burger Time, we're your company." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, that sounds cool. And then no, I didn't follow up. Yeah, that's a classic um, situation in my life. Yeah. Well, but you know what? You're riding that wave. Mm-hmm. Doing lots of shows. Mm-hmm. You got uh, to do stuff in L.A. You're rebuilding. It probably would have been a relatively quick period to getting nice, a bunch of nice chances. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a nice way to think about what could have been? <laughs> I don't think so. That makes me, you know. <laughs> oh, I don't want to make you sad. No, no, it's okay. No. I'm just kidding. It seems like Things you're really good. making uh, the best of it while you're here. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah. Just trying to do so shows. So are you, in a way, like, how does it feel being back in Canada, trying to do stand-up and trying to sort of retain that excitement about giant changes and moving elsewhere if that's what you wanted yeah uh i love it i like toronto a lot and i do like it a lot specifically think the comedy here and comedy scene here is very very good and thriving and i feel like i just want to keep doing as much comedy as possible and this is a good place right now to do that is that a dig because i'm doing it less is that what you think it's thriving? <laughs> no, but the fact that you took it that way is indicative of something. <laughs> <laughs> but what what do you like about the comedy scene here in Toronto? Let's say... I think the average Toronto comic would bury the average LA... I can't speak really for New York, but just like in terms of the overall competency and unique funniness, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like lucky that to have started when there was so much going on. Um, well, I'm glad you like Toronto so much, and I, I do have a romance with LA that I don't know why. Because you were talking about that year, and it's like for me that might have been, you know, well, it was around the same. Like by the time I my visa was ready to go out, it's like I was really struggling, but I also you know, had a car finally and was like, kind of knew the shows I was going to do or go to, mm-hmm. knew the area I was living in really well, liked it, you know. Um, and I think that that's just like the pain that uh, of, of uh, the Canadian, you know, anyone who m- migrates there on a sh- any kind of a short-term basis or a basis that might have to do with like a finite amount of money or in this case, a disaster that nobody had <laughs> faced in their lifetime or their parents' lifetime, I guess. And yeah, so, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing, you know? Like, do you feel, I mean, do you struggle with uh, that lost time period? Not so much in L.A., 
but just losing the year and a half of, you know, live performance on and off, but mostly off, you know, that a lot of comedians had. And I'm assuming, you know, barring Zoom shows, which I think are a great thing, but a different thing. Yes. Know, a potentially great thing. Yes, definitely a different thing uh, than doing it live, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know if I, like, mourn that loss because the first, like, maybe month or two months of the pandemic when I was just back at my parents' house and, like, obviously forced to not do comedy, there wasn't even, maybe there was, like, an Instagram live show or something. But it was kind of, I didn't even realize how much, like, burnout I had already had from... At that point, like eight, is, eight years every single night, basically. That's crazy. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the most time I didn't do it, I remember once, and I like thought about quitting comedy, was like two weeks over like a Christmas and New Year's one year. I mean, two, two weeks is a long time when you are going that hard. But also, mm. I think over my first eight years, I was doing it a lot. And what happens is that at some point it becomes easier to do shows. So well, 100%, you wind up getting yeah. these show availability or like, you know, getting asked to do shows. So you really can, you know, fill up like four to five days in a week or something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but I found that LA really threw that rhythm off for me, you know, because there was I, way longer gaps between shows. Yeah, there for and sure. I wasn't necessarily able to stomach like as you know like 80 yeah. percent of like open mics plus it's such a pride thing but you go oh i've been doing comedy for x years and mm-hmm. you know i got to do a bunch of these shit mics if i want to like try out new material and there's like no way to know if this material is good that's you're the performing tough thing to a too. bunch of people who are in their own heads and like yeah. <laughs> at best you're gonna have like this weird inside joke thing Right. Sometimes that goes over way better, yeah, at the mics. And yeah. then you try to do it in real life, and you're like, oh, yeah, not everybody is. <laughs> right. Not everybody knows who Josh Androsky is. <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> but those in the know do. And they love that joke of yours. They love my Josh Androsky <laughs> joke. Um, actually, I remembered an open mic that I liked doing there that is of some interest. And I don't know if they were still doing it when you were there, but there was an open mic at the um, Echo Park Library. Oh, you told <laughs> me about this, and I don't I'm think I ever I went never to dragged it. I you there. Yeah, I don't think I went to it. But I, it sounded almost like a nightmare. <laughs> it was kind of a nightmare. But, like, my buddy George Chen, like, his partner works at a library, so he was hosting it. I've been to, I think I've been to Echo Park Library just to... Hey, do work yeah, and just yeah. to maybe in between shows yeah, and stuff. It's, it's, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, it's like on sunset, very visible, mm-hmm. like right across from the Echoplex. And, right. um, it's, uh, but there was something I liked about the insanity of that show yeah. because there would generally be no one in the audience. And if there were, there weren't like well people a lot of the time, but most of the time it was nobody. And it was the kind of place where it felt like you were, at a class you really didn't want to be at, but you had this speech that you were really <laughs> your presentation. To give. But then yeah. that sounds like, or you had a presentation that you really needed to try out. 
Now, this is, I just described most open mics, yeah. and <laughs> even doing just regular paid shows. <laughs> but yeah, that was a really interesting one. And it was near a taco truck I liked. So maybe that was part of it. I do miss taco trucks, that's for sure. Taco Zone. That was the one I liked. I remember that, yeah, because that's in a big parking lot, like yeah. in a mall complex. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, that one was great. And, uh, yeah, but, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I found myself a little drained. And so maybe it's almost a good thing in a way that you had this period where you weren't doing it because that kind of, and nobody was doing it. So it kind of like allowed you to go through that burnout and kind of, decision to kind of go hard back at it yeah i think after those like yeah a couple months then i was just like wanting to get back to it so badly um and there obviously wasn't just didn't exist really yeah it was weird you know you'd go there's like a little bit in probably around this time last year uh-huh. it had like just come back for little outdoor shows yeah for some sort of you know i, think I bet you jumped right on that I tried to, but even with then, you could do maybe two a week because, again, there were so few and far That's between at the time. Yeah, but, I avoided uh, it last year over the summer when it came back because I was just like, I don't know if things are better. Yeah, <laughs> definitely didn't feel very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, once all the vaccines and all that came out and then everything kind of came back in full force. Somewhat full force, right? Yeah, I mean, compare again, yeah, maybe just comparing to the real emptiness that was. I mean, I am. I have my most amount of concurrent shows coming up, and it's this Thursday and then Monday. Mm-hmm. And I hope that is something, a sign of things to come, because uh, it turns out I like doing it. <laughs> yeah, that is, you know, the driving force behind it all. You know, it is, but also the more I do it, if nobody cares, then I get sad, (laughs) you know? And I'm not talking about doing well on stage. It's just like, I feel like Canada is somewhere like like literally the industry can just like not not care forever. I think that that's true. I think that it sucks, yeah. That was a good thing about obviously in LA, you could have way more hope of something because there's way more things that are allowed to be more you know niche or whatever i also think that you know there's true like enthusiasts of comedy and it's kind of like scary when you see it but like a lot of people who do sort of managing of comedians are actually people who like love those comedians and that's why i'm talking about you You, in la i can see that not here though no not necessarily and so i just um, I miss that, you know, I miss, yeah. I miss the thing of being like, well, it's like I, there, they have actual producers and stuff Yeah, and for show, like shows have producers here. The producer is the host. Usually. I mean, I am really, really engaged by encouragement and <laughs> validation. I mean, I, I mean, know that's, that as a comedian, that's yeah. a silly thing to say, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I think, and that's not to say I don't, and you too, probably I don't mind completely losing everybody if i think it's like a funny thing i'm saying or i'm i'm you know right but for in the terms sake of, of like i do want that one person to go i thought that was great here here are the keys to my car you can have my car <laughs> um yeah i mean that would be great 
Would you ever donate blood if a rapist were hurt in a car accident? <laughs> Would I ever donate? Does it go to that person? No. <laughs> No, I would not. I would not. Do, I would not donate my blood. Uh, yeah, I mean, pro- I don't know. I would. I don't want any control over where the blood goes. This, that's a very interesting political statement. I like that. So, for those of you from Legions of Skank listening, oh no, he is a Marxist. So, you're gonna want to uh, drag at Nick Nemiroff no, do underscore. Not, do not drag me, comedian. At twitter.com. <laughs> yes, drag that Twitter handle. What Don't, is your Twitter handle? I got at Nick Nemiroff. Even though there is another Nick Nemiroff out there. Doing I, comedy? No, I think he does tennis reporting. There's a Nick Flanagan who's a golfer. Hey, that's similar. And, uh, yeah, it is similar, you know? I meant similar to the circumstance of Nick Nemiroff being a tennis reporter. Yeah, sports. Yeah. There's yeah. always a sports guy who has, has a, a same name, and then mm-hmm. you feel degraded when someone compliments <laughs> them. <laughs> if you were a comedian, what would you be doing? Uh, well, what I wanted to do before comedy was be a GM in the NHL or, or NFL. At what time was this in your life? How old were you? Until I was like... I mean, I just, you know, in comedy was such like a fantasy thought that I didn't think was real or like didn't think that I could had the balls to do but or the whatever GM thing was like, well, that seemed like so spec so specific. And I had like literally played 10,000 hours of video games where I was the GM <laughs> and like read all these GM books. Like NHL. I bought a game called NFL head coach on PS2 where you literally do not play the game. Oh, you just scout, you like come up yeah. with a game plan. That, that's a whole genre that's been going on since uh, PC games in like yeah. the seventies and eighties. I think it was from that football manager. Sports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was just like very, you know, obsessed and interested with that and then i eventually was like this is you have to like you know know a lot about uh math <laughs> to be really good at it and is that, that true i think if you were to take a sort of traditional route oh, you and mean then like economics right yeah i guess i just mean anything Home with economics. numbers you yeah bake the cookies for the fucking <laughs> captain yeah. he does a good job <laughs> if you really want to be a good gm <laughs> the best gms are the best bakers um, did you agree <laughs> with Floyd when it was he the one who said sometimes a cigar is just a cigar or was that Bill Clinton? <laughs> I think that was, uh, I, do I agree with it? I don't know. I barely understand. I'd love to collaborate <laughs> with you. And I feel like this, uh, interview is, is not, is not convincing you because I'm asking you questions that you don't know how to riff with. And I feel that the, it's my fault. Well, I think I just need to understand. Be, I need to be a little bit more well-read, you know? But I don't know who even said a cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> I know. Ceci n'est pas un peep. What right? about that? Ceci n'est pas un peep. Ceci n'est pas un peep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is that? Marcel Duchamp? I just know it's a painting. <laughs> I, think it's a, I don't know what it is. But, um, <laughs> so you wanted to be a hockey GM, and you were, like, serious about it because you weren't, like, correct – for playing hockey oh yeah no i wish i was i mean ultimate dream would be even now if i was good enough to be a nhl player probably my friend dave hill loves hockey it's a great game and he has played hockey and but not professionally (laughs) 
Yeah. What do you <laughs> that think makes, of that? I think a lot of people can probably identify with that. There's like comedians in Toronto who have like a real hockey league kind of thing, right? Like teeny little little play. Like I feel like that Rob Pugh, former guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim yeah. Steves, these type of guys. Right. Smart, funny, athletic men. Yes. The dream. Yeah. But you're pretty athletic. I think compared to comics, I'm athletic. Shoot hoops, <laughs> right? You shoot a few hoops. I shoot a few hoops. Do you jog? <laughs> I mean, when I'm shooting hoops. Do your tall legs make life difficult or easy? Um, I think they make life easier than difficult, I would say. Because you get to take great strides with ease. Exactly. Me and my little st- st- dwarf legs. <laughs> yeah, I see you walking down the street sometimes, struggling. I do walk very slowly. <laughs> That's just because I'm thinking so hard. That's right. <laughs> so, what's next for Nif- Nif- <laughs> Um Probably not listening to this episode of the podcast, but listening to one? all of them. Listen to all this the others. This has been a fun one. I love this. I had a great time. This I laughed. Been a really good I made time. eye contact. We've made so much eye contact. I'm quite proud of it. Yeah. I watched a movie called The Brood by David Cronenberg yesterday. Oh, yeah. And there's a guy who's like doing uh, weird therapy, mm-hmm. you know, confrontation therapy. And he's saying to this guy, you can't even make eye contact. That's the sign of weakness. And I was like, in my head, I'm just like, that's not a sign of weakness. <laughs> Do you, how are you on eye contact? Uh, I think I used to be worse at it. But now I, I think it depends a lot on the other person, you know? Well, this, is, this brings up a very interesting point that I think would be fun to talk about. It may go a little longer. Do you have any time? Are you, should you go? Uh, I would say... We can talk for a little bit longer. I would love that. Here's did part of you wanting to get were you very shy? Would you describe yourself as shy? I I I would describe myself as used to be extremely shy, now slightly less shy. That's kind of what I, do you think that the challenge of doing comedy part of it was so that you could be perceived because i feel like shyness is really more about perception than a lot of other things mm-hmm. you know like shyness people might say oh they're shy and it's just like well no they're like taking things in a little differently than but they're listening and they might like you or be interested they're just not putting it all out there for whatever reason right you know so to sort of be able to seem less introverted be less introverted be less shy, seem less shy. Yeah, I think it's, I'm sure that's part of it, yeah. And like wanting to, or, you know, being so scared of being vulnerable, but then having no choice to be when you're on stage. Vulnerable and, you know, just even being on stage, I mean. I actually listened to your bit where you were talking about your ex uh, coming back or whatever from your album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right before this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of your comedy is sort of based on, like, truth, but then you misdirect away from truth. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, just bringing up that truth and then being silly about it is, like, still, like, some level of vulnerability. Right, yeah. That, 
I think my comedy used to be super not based in any reality. I mean, maybe that's also how people start out in general. I think a lot of the time it can, it, it, it'll go that way or the exact opposite way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Actually. Yeah. I think especially when I was starting out and people were obsessed with Louis, that was like, people were being like, so, <laughs> Oh my God, I have so much diarrhea all yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. But even Louis CK, it's like absurd. Like he goes away from the truth so much. In fact, he's an absurdist. Right. You know, but I think people, that was like too subtle for people to intake at that point. Yeah. It's like the idea is it's absurd that he, you know. Right. We don't have to get into it. <laughs> but anyway. we are just N I C K. We are just N I C K. What is what's the joke there? <laughs> Instead of Louis oh. C K. N I C K. I love it. I love that joke. I love that for you. Um, you had a lot of fun up there with that. That's a good one. I don't think that the truth, so to speak, is like 100% necessary for a good time watching a fucking stand-up comedian. Absolutely, yeah. You know. I think you can just tell, like, if you're being truthful in the moment or whatever, you know? That, that's yeah. exactly it, right? Like, that's why people enjoy the, like, heckler destroying or whatever, because the idea is you're just being whatever. You're responding somewhat. Mm -hmm. like I do think human. one of the funniest things though is that guy who has built his whole reputation on destroying hecklers you mean steve hofstetter yes and just now how he's like i imagine every show mm -hmm. people are like encouraged to just heckle him oh yeah i'm I sure he sets it up and I, mean, I shouldn't say i'm sure he sets it up but i mean i'm sure he has like a portion of the show that's the like show just back and forth can, yeah participate you're encouraged to participate but it's just such a funny Roots like I, we gotta go see this guy. He's awesome and he gets heckled all the time. <laughs> I just think that there's like, like some faction of it that is so funny to me. Well, yeah, because it's kind of like the idea of the insult comic, but like needlessly adding a step. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Know? Yeah, like, you're right. Don Riggles is just like, look at that guy at the front. He's got to add like a split watermelon. Yeah, and you know, and then. Suddenly it's like you have to get a guy to yell at you and then become morally justified <laughs> to say he's ugly or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean. That's a very good point. Do you, would you say you have a catchphrase? <laughs> would I say I have a catchphrase? Yeah. Um, I don't think I would say that I have a catchphrase. What about this? My mother. Well. My mother. Wow! Well, no. Oh well. Oh well. Uh, it works in this yeah. context of just me and you just and me repeating like making it. Making eye contact. <laughs> yeah. Forcing you to do something. Yeah, it works there. Via sheer tyranny of will. To quote the yeah. late canceled Norm Macdonald. Oh yeah. He's not canceled. I mean, he's literally canceled, but not mm -hmm. canceled. Sure. Sad now. To move on. Uh, do you have any words of advice for young comics, but also me? Um, I think you know if you really love it, and I feel like just do it. Keep doing it. Keep okay. on. Uh, keep on. As Nardwar would say, rocking in the free world. Did you ever used to 
correspond with Nardwar via snail mail? I can't say that I did, but I did think I did. I could see that from again from the way that the question was phrased. <laughs> I think that was a bit obvious, <laughs> um, but that is cool. I think dressing as Nardwar. I want to remember to do that for next Halloween. Maybe. You're going to do an Nardwar costume. Well, because I, I follow him and I see all the people re- doing it, repost and I'm like, damn, it. that's a good idea for a costume. Yeah, I think the time might have come for me to reach out to Nardwar about doing a there you go podcast episode. Yeah, we have history. You got to go over the old letters. I probably I do still have the old letters. I even have a mixtape he made of interviews he did when he had the CITR show. Wow. You know, doing the sort of I don't know if you call them pranks, but like at that time, his style of interviewing generally resulted in hangups. Like the science fiction writer Harlan Ellison was very <laughs> aggressive with him and irritated. And was he doing like the he same asked sort Gorbachev of something? Very he famously. Gorbachev. What the hell? Yeah, it's he amazing that he got like, him. Something. He asked him a question about his pants. <laughs> <laughs> it was around the time he asked Jean Chrétien something. Like him asking Jean Chrétien something was Led the to... reason that he said pepper. That is something I put on my steaks when he was justifying pepper spraying p- protesters. <laughs> gotcha. Jean his, fra- his famous catchphrase: uh, "Pepper." <laughs> uh, what would you say? <laughs> is a great way <laughs> to end a podcast. <laughs> um, doing some perfectly placed outro music and saying, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for coming, Nick. Thank you. Talk to you ne- we'll Sorry. talk to you next time. <laughs> it's been great. Is there anything you want to plug? That's where the music is going to swell. <laughs> you can follow me at Nick Nemiroff on all platforms available. And you have an album that is called? The album is called The Pursuit of Comedy Has Ruined My Life. It is available on all streaming platforms. And would you say that it's also available if you look up John Mulaney, Kid Gorgeous, you will hear Nick Nemiroff's <laughs> There are some heavily inspired uh, tracks on Kid Mul- on John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous. Who yeah. are your role models when you just thought you would do comedy? Mitch Hedberg, Dimitri Martin. Mitch Hedberg and Dimitri Martin. And Todd Berry, probably. And Those were the big three. Todd Berry. Mm-hmm. So, folks, the reason I asked him that was so that if you haven't heard Nick Nemiroff's hit, album juno nominated juno nominated album <laughs> uh you should know that his earliest influences were mitch hedberg <laughs> dimitri martin and todd berry but he brings his own flavor <laughs> he brings his own flavor i had to look away from Nick. i can't make eye contact and say talk to him like he's not here i have to be looking at my alligator keyboard <laughs> Check it out. Nick's very funny. Hopefully we'll be on tour in the summer together <laughs> in the mix of comedy. And uh, in the Knicks. Yeah, be, like in the mix? A split single called is In it, the Knicks. Is it like in the mix? Like, yeah, K-N-I-C-K. Like in the cover is us in, <laughs> yeah, in playing for the New York Knicks. basketball <laughs> costumes. <laughs> All right, Nick, take care. Goodbye, guys. Thank, Thank you, Nick. And that was uh, my talk with Nick. Nick Nemiroff. 
hilarious comedian, great guy, terribly missed by so very many. So, uh, we love you, Nick. We love you, Nick Nemiroff. And uh, be sure to check him out, um, his album out. The Pursuit of Comedy Has Ruined My Life. And the album is, as I mentioned at the beginning, has been re-released on vinyl for record player action uh, by the family. There's only 300 copies. It comes with a very lovely booklet with a lot of tributes to Nick and, and other things. And uh, you can pick that up if you go to www.echobase.com. You don't actually have to write www at the beginning. So I'm going to keep this in because I think it's important for us to remember that you don't have to write WX3. But I'm going to start again and tell you the website to get Nick's record. Echobase.com slash product slash Nick dash Nemiroff. Pick it up there. Um, I'm also going to include the link in the episode description. And this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. We'll get back and we'll do more regular episode, uh, possibly a solo one where I do my classic uh, kvetching and lamenting and celebrating. And uh, I'm going to do a mini amount of that. Right now I'm going to kvetch that Nick is gone. I'm going to kvell. I don't really remember what kvell means, so I'm just going to generally kvell. And I'm going to celebrate Nick Nemiroff right now. And uh, like I said, we love you, Nick. And thank you so much for listening. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly. Nick. Flanagan. Weekly.